Good morning. So far in 1 Corinthians, we have learned that the Corinthians were guilty of arrogance, divisiveness, and sexual immorality. But now we will learn that those were not the only sins plaguing the church. They were also guilty of taking one another to court over matters that were, in the grand scheme of things, trivial. It should be noted that these were certainly not criminal cases. God has established secular governments to handle these matters, as Paul will make clear in Romans chapter 13. These were issues that we would call civil cases. I don't know that we have the exact same issue in the church today, but I do know that we often see relationships in the church damaged because an offense is committed and the one offended doesn't want to forgive or be reconciled to the offender. To that end, Paul provides important insight about how we live in community with one another and how we are to respond when we are wronged. Listen now as I read 1 Corinthians 6 verses 1-8. through When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Paul begins by setting the stage for his argument. It doesn't seem that Paul has a particular case in mind, This seems to be a problem that was more widespread. Paul asks, what do they do when they have a grievance with someone else in the church? Do they take the matter to the unrighteous judges, or do they rely on the saints in the church to settle the dispute? Clearly, they don't keep the matter within the church, but rather they do take their brother to a secular court. If they had kept it within the church, Paul would not have had to make a big deal of the matter. Paul now begins to explain why they should keep these matters within the church and not with the secular authorities. Before looking at the reasons Paul gives, it is probably important to say that Paul is not saying this because he wants the church to cover up wrongdoing. As I said earlier, he is not talking about criminal matters. He is talking about other disputes. Some commentators suggest about money or property that could and should be handled internally. What Paul is going to reveal is that those who take their brothers to court have a heart problem that ultimately needs to be addressed. Now, what are the reasons that Paul gives as to why believers shouldn't take other believers to a court, but rather handle it internally? The first is because Paul says believers will judge the world. It is not exactly clear what this means, but it is certain that believers won't judge the world apart from Jesus Christ This is not something that we do on our own. However, from what Paul says, believers will participate in the judgment in some way. He uses this fact to make his next point. If believers can be trusted by God to participate in judging the world, shouldn't they be trusted to judge trivial cases, like the ones the Corinthians were taking each other to court over? The answer Paul is looking for is obvious. Of course believers can be trusted with these trivial matters. The second reason he gives is that believers will judge the angels. 
As with judging the world, it is unclear how or which angels are included in this statement, but that is ultimately unimportant. Paul says that believers will judge the angels, and we can take him at his word. His point is not to provide details as to how the church will do these things, but rather to show that if believers are trusted by God to make judgments in these cosmic matters, they can certainly be trusted in smaller matters. Paul has made his point, but he continues to address the issue. For Paul, it seems, this was not an unimportant matter. It revealed a serious problem within the church. Remember earlier that Paul rebuked them for using worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. This reveals just how much they were beholden to the wisdom of the world. They would not even trust one another to make judgments between them. They went to worldly courts instead. But as we will see in a moment, that was not the only problem. The fact that they were having these disputes at all revealed a heart problem. He tells them now in no uncertain terms that this behavior ought to have caused them shame. Their shame is in the fact that they go to unbelievers to settle their disputes when there are plenty of wise men among them that could be an arbitrator between brothers. But even worse than that, they allow their disputes to divide them. He claims that, they, that this is already a defeat for them. Paul is saying that even if they go to court and win a case against their brother, they actually lose when they take their brother to these secular courts. Paul ends this section by showing them a better way. And this better way shows clearly how worldly wisdom and godly wisdom differ. By going to court against a brother, these Corinthians demonstrated that their own personal rights were more important to them than anything else. So Paul asks them two questions that reveal the godly, a, a true godly response to their offense. He asks them, why not be treated unjustly? Why not be defrauded? What Paul says here is radically counterintuitive, but he says that we are to, instead of taking a brother to court, instead of holding on to a grudge, instead of refusing to repent, Paul said it is, is better for the one offended to be treated unjustly and be defrauded. This is because our greatest concern is to be the kingdom of God and the glory of Christ. We should be willing to be treated unjustly and defrauded instead of doing anything that would get in the way of our primary calling, which is to be salt and light to the world, proclaiming the gospel and giving all glory to Jesus Christ. Paul then says that the one who takes a brother to an earthly court defrauds his brother. The one who thinks they are being defrauded and fights back is actually the one guilty of defrauding his brother. Now, Paul is not saying that when a believer defrauds another believer, it should be ignored. What he is saying is that the church should be the place where this is handled. If the defrauder is not repentant, then the church should discipline them, just as in the case of the immoral brother. But it is better for the one sinned against to withstand being treated unjustly than for the matter to be taken to a secular court. The matters Paul addressed here he calls trivial. And I think the bottom line is that the, the true godliness is able to overlook the failings of others in love, fixing our eyes on Jesus so that we live in a way that, 
so as to proclaim the gospel and draw others to Christ. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, we read, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who re- repeats a matter separates close friends. And in 1 Peter 4, 8, we learn, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. When we think with the mind of Christ, we pursue love, grace, and forgiveness, instead of demanding what we believe we are owed. We do this because we know that we are what we are ultimately owed is God's wrath, but that wrath was endured for us by Christ on the cross. That then reorients our mind to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. As we close today, I want to pray for our Logic School students, teachers, and parents. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the beginning of another day. We recognize each day is a gift from you. Father, I pray that our minds and our hearts would be transformed by your word, that we would be the kind of people that Paul uh, commands that we be, that we would be willing to be defrauded and treated unjustly because our greatest desire is to see Christ glorified. Pray that you would equip us and give us the strength to do that. Pray today for our logic school. I pray for the students, the parents, the teachers, the administration. Pray that uh, as they approach the end of the first quarter of the year, that you would give them endurance and strength, help them to finish well whatever it is that they have to finish in these last couple of weeks. We thank you again for Jesus, your son, and we pray all of this in his name. Amen.